You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. It gives us the hope of staying together by the end, yes? And we'll start with part one. What And uh, go. Come, come, whoever you are. Come, come, whoever you are. Part three. Come, come, whoever Part four. Come. Once more, everyone, once more. Once more. together once last time. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of me, ours is no thereof and of despair. Come, yet again, come. Well done. Well, if it wasn't a good morning before, it certainly is now. (laughs) Welcome to First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. However you get into this room, we're glad you are getting into this room. We greet you here, we greet you online, we greet you now, we greet you if you're watching this on YouTube in a couple weeks, we greet you. How you doing? Good to see you. They don't speak back. (laughs) Here is a place in a world full of noise that is choosing to spend a few quiet moments together for the sake of peace. Here is a place in a world filled with disdain and distrust that is willing to seek joy and understanding. Here is a place in a world that would dare you constantly toward perfectionism, that acknowledges that our roles in this world are to practice what it means to be human together with one another, wherever we are, from wherever we come. And so it is a blessing that you are here. Yes, I mean you and you and you. Your voice helps to comprise our voice. And our voice takes this moment 
and makes it holy with song and silence and prayer and good words for love and justice now and in the days of our living to come. There's a masking policy update. If you are uh, in the sanctuary, this is starting tomorrow, if you are in the sanctuary um, for our sanctuary events and special services, we will continue to require masks as, um, as the winter comes to protect each other, to keep each other the safest we know how. Masks will be optional outside of this room, except by request in RE classrooms and when COVID levels are high. We're still monitoring, um, and when COVID Act Now indicates a high rating, masking will be required throughout the building, in here included. But for now, um, I welcome you to help me to live into this new way of being as we endeavor to take care of one another. That's how we people and peopling is what we do. All right? All right? All right. Uh, yeah, we, we had a good amen early this morning. That was amen corner work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that works. We begin our service together with a few rituals. First, a time and opportunity to become more present in the room. I welcome you to allow your body to enter more deeply into the space, to allow your feet to commune with the land that we are on, to acknowledge the stories that run deeper than our name and run right under our feet. And we breathe with one another I invite you on your own time, three breaths, to commune and to come together. As we breathe in, we breathe in peace. As we breathe out, we breathe out love. Thank you for bringing yourself more present to this space because all of you is welcome here and it's a joy to be blessed in our company. The next thing we do is light a chalice cup with the flame and Ada and Alice are going to join me and lead us in that ritual. Come on up. I'll get out of your way. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Thank you. Good morning. Earlier this morning, three families brought children to be dedicated at First Universalist Church. There were four little ones dedicated. 
Cash and baby Kenzo. Actually, Cash was a last-minute add-on. His baby brother was being dedicated, and he kind of raised his hand and jumped right in. So Cash and baby Kenzo, Paul and Tessa. So these children were dedicated earlier this morning, but that ritual is not over. You're not too late. Gear up to participate because all of us, the whole congregation dedicates itself to the children and families that come to us and ask for that blessing. And so we're going to dedicate ourselves to these children and families too. Right now, even though they're not up here on the chancel, we'll hold them in our hearts as we move through this ritual because it is such a gift to get to share in the joy that is child dedication. In the ritual, we recognize how deeply we need one another, and we reject the idea that each family is or should be a self-contained unit. Who can live like that? We acknowledge that families transcend the limits of blood and law, and we recognize each family as they have gathered and created it, and we honor the commitments and love that define it. As we recognize our shared need for vibrant communities to witness and enfold children and families, we promise to be one of these communities, their spiritual home. In our ritual of child dedication, we, the congregation, pledge to support families on the journey as their children grow. In truth, we dedicate ourselves to them, not the reverse. We will help in their times of need. We will serve as religious educators and volunteers and mentors to care for and teach those children. We will be in parent gatherings together. We will celebrate this and many more milestones together through the years to come. Every day that a child is born is a miracle an opportunity to recognize the power of love, a day to give thanks for the beauty of the earth, a day to recognize that no one is brought up alone and that every person born might be a savior to the world. We recognize all who have gathered here now and those who are away from us in distance and time. We honor the ancestors who have left this world but not our hearts. And we welcome them here into this time with us as we make sacred promises and bless one another. This is a deeply multi-generational, intergenerational ritual. And our children and youth have an important part in it. So I'm talking to you now, kids, here in the sanctuary and online. I'm going to pose a few questions, and at the end of all of them, I'll ask you to answer. So here are the questions I ask of our kids. Will you show those children that were on those slides, will you show them through your actions how we care for each other at our church? Will you welcome and accept them just as they are? Will you play with them? Will you be good friends to them? If so, children, I invite you now to say, yes. yes. 
All right. And if you're online, you can type yes in the chat. Yeah. That would be awesome. Adults at First Universalist Church, in welcoming and dedicating yourself to these children, you acknowledge your role as guides and teachers. Will you pledge yourselves to the well-being of these children? Will you promise to care for them? Will you help their families raise them to love justice and live with compassion? Will you work for a peaceful, just, and sustainable world that they might grow to the fullness of their potential? Will you enthusiastically welcome them as unique and precious individuals that they might experience this congregation as a place of belonging where they are known, encouraged, and loved? Please respond out loud or in the chat that we will. We have two symbols as a gift from our community to those who were named this morning. One is a container filled with water. Some of this water is from our, our water communion, and it mingles to form the community's water to bless all of our children. The other is a rose for each of them. And we said this, Cash Conrad Harstad, Kenzo Banks Harstad, Paul Seeger Davies, and Tessa Thebus, we touch you with water on your brow, on your lips, and on your hands to dedicate your thoughts your words, and your deeds to the service of love and justice. We give you this rose as a sign of your unfolding beauty. And we said to the parents that parents, by bringing your children to be dedicated, you acknowledge the wonder of life. You affirm your connection to this congregation and you share with us your joy. Thank you for allowing us to show up for you and take our place in this joyful celebration of community across generations. We are so glad the universe made room for you and your little ones. And so we dedicate ourselves to do the same for them and for you here at church. And it was so. Amen. I used to run a lot of track when I was in high school. Um, now I run on the treadmill to my knee's chagrin <laughs> and sarcasm. <laughs> but I used to run a lot of track, and one of the events that I would run involved a relay, which is community work. And it involves a baton that you have to pass. There is an art to passing the baton. There is an art to holding the baton. There is an art to grabbing the baton. And each 
one of us, as Shakespeare might say, would best know in our own time which parts we're playing. We, as a part of the unfolding story of this congregation and community, we would do well to breathe in the role that we have in keeping our community well, right now and always, knowing that that role changes as we change, and knowing that that's all right. Whoever you are in the grand tapestry that is this people, I welcome you to a few moments of meditation and prayer, a place where we collect some quiet and silence and breath to remember who we are, to remember whose we are, to remember why we are doing this work and why we're doing it together. I offer you first a few moments of silence. Let's keep it together. collected tapestry of quiet keeping. This canopy which holds us now and as long as we decide it can hold us, we pray. And we join our hearts to this wish too. The space is open always, I hope, but especially now, if there is a name on your heart for which we would pray. 
someone or someones that you would have us hold in care. I welcome you to speak, to type, to summon in your way. May the spirit of life restore and renew our access to joy. For joy is the foundation of our resilience. And resilience is the stuff that makes us get back to the journey of love and justice and it opens up that, that chance that liberation might come for us all, starting from within and between and among us. So may it be. Spirit of life, Come unto me, sing in my heart all the stirrings of compassion. tiny crying human in your life yeah how about a bigger human yeah there's a fancy word for that it's called co-regulation right it's what psychologists call it this one who has a PhD to top it off Caroline Leaf says this as you co-regulate with someone, the mirror neurons in the brain are activated, and this enables the person in the dysregulated state to literally mirror your calmness. How cool is that? Bodies are so cool. And we have a collective body to co-regulate here. This body in this space and online, and sometimes we need to do more than breathing together and singing together and praying together, though all of that 
co-regulates our collective nervous system. Because we live in capitalism, we need to co-regulate with money. So we do this thing called an offering. Oh, I know, you went there with me, thank you. We give and receive to co-regulate our collective body so that we might all experience collective well-being. That's why we do this. It's a practice. This morning, our practice is dedicated to the fund for our youth activities um, beyond Sunday morning, in particular, outside of church walls, because we're committed to making these life-changing, UU identity-building, spiritually deepening experiences truly accessible to all of our youth. So please give boldly and generously as you are able. And if this is a morning when you need to practice being held, when you need to practice receiving, please ask boldly too. You can talk to me or any of our staff after worship or send an email to Arif and we will help you and support you. Let us receive our morning offering and the baskets and online through our links and our fancy QR codes. There are so many ways. After a couple months with you as your assistant minister, this is my first time preaching. And I feel a little funny and nervous. I mean, I've preached like hundreds of times, but this is my first time preaching here in this really fancy pulpit. It's really high up. Have you noticed that? It's, it's like not in alignment with your theology people to have me way up here. Oh, okay, well, good to know. So anyway, this is my first time preaching with you all. And for me, preaching is a relational act. It's about sharing wisdom that has emerged at the intersection of my own growing edges and our collective becoming, our traditions, our sacred texts, and the moment we are inhabiting together 
right now. But this is the thing about being new to UU life and your lives in particular. I don't yet know all that is yours and now ours. I'm still falling into the wider web of sacred texts that you call your own, though Mary Oliver and Adrienne Marie Brown have long been my companions through their writing. And I am just learning the traditions you hold most dear. I'm just beginning to know the contours of your particular spiritual aches and joys in this moment. You also don't know me yet. I haven't sat with you yet, most of you, in the hollows of loss, absorbing with you the grief that will transform your life. I haven't showed up to a meeting with you yet with food for my two-year-old's breakfast on my sweater and then realized it partway through the meeting and had to make friends with my own humility, humility, not humiliation, humility, because I'm not gonna ask my equally busy wife to bring me a new sweater at work. I haven't shown up at protests with you yet. My body, body literally on the line next to yours to side with love or to dance our way to shut down a highway in the name of black lives. And in this gulf of knowing, I got this question at my very first Sunday with you in my very first conversation in the narthex after church, greeting you all. Can you be both a Christian and a universalist? I don't think that's possible. In the moment, I dove in theologically. And in case you're wondering, the short answer is yes, of course. We can talk about that over a strong cup of coffee. I love to nerd out theologically. But in retrospect, I think what he was really asking me was this. Am I safe with you? Or maybe, will this still be my community if you are here? Or truly, can we belong to each other? And none of those questions can be answered by a theological debate. They are the same questions we are asking each other as a larger community here in the midst of some very painful church conflict. Am I safe with you? Will this still be my community if you are here? Can we belong to each other? They are the same questions we are asking each other as a country right now in the midst of ongoing threats of fascism. Am I safe with you? Will this still be my community if you are here? Can we belong to each other? I don't have easy answers to these questions. The theological questions are so much easier because these questions we are asking each other without actually saying those words require answers that are also not said with words but through ongoing spiritual practice. And this practice, I think, is the same practice we commit to when we dedicate our children. 
like we did this morning. What is that practice? What is that spiritual work we are each called to as we dedicate our children? The staff focused on that question as we planned worship today. What exactly are we doing in this ritual? What's it really about besides the cute factor? What is the spiritual work we're trying to do today and every day? As we talked, I thought of the story of a congregant at the last church I served. I'll call him Bob. He was an older, white gay man I had known since I was a little kid with my two moms when we all attended the same church, one of the few, the only, I should say, churches in Minneapolis in the 1980s that was queer positive. Bob was one of the sea of elders who taught me what church meant when I was a child. He was one of those offering hugs and high fives to all each Sunday. Safe touch that I had no idea was so wholly scarce during that time of the AIDS crisis for queer folks because our bodies were named contagious. He was one of the zillion church aunties of all genders who showed up at so many of my school functions to be a visible marker of love, who taught me to protest as a form of joyful prayer. He was one of the people sitting in our metal fold-up chairs in a cinder block warehouse building that we called church, from whom I learned that the ordinary and even ugly stuff of life could be made holy in beloved community. From him and with him and so many others, I found my own sense of safety, of community, and belonging as a kid. And with that knowledge in my bones, I and so many others were able to go back into the world. We were able to, to act in our daily lives as a form of resistance, just through our living, that would build revolution in time. Fast forward about 25 years, and I became Bob's pastor at a different church, one of now hundreds locally that are gorgeously and bodaciously queer positive. The revolution lives. He kept teaching me, this time as a part of a new member class I was facilitating. He was a long timer who was acting as a mentor and at the dinner before the Sunday when the new members would join, he said this, I was a part of this church for years before I became a member. I stalled because I realized that when I joined, I wasn't just making a promise to the people who were in the room. I was making a promise to be in relationship with people who would join years after that moment, people I hadn't met yet. And that felt like way too big of a leap. We all stopped chewing what was surely a healthy kale-filled church potluck salad to absorb his wisdom. I had never thought of it that way. What made you finally join then, I asked him. I decided belonging was worth 
the risk, he said. Our ritual of child dedication this morning holds a similar spiritual leap. We dedicate ourselves to the care and teaching and loving of these tiny humans. They are here, but they are also not yet fully here among us. We promise to help them know safety and community and belonging as they become the adults we cannot and they cannot imagine yet. We decide their belonging is worth the risk. We do it without even thinking. It's easier to take this leap of dedication when they are small and cute, isn't it? When the love born anew within them is still so fresh you can smell it on their heads. Maybe that's why we do it this way. Babies and children grow slowly into the people they will become. At each new stage of growth, we naturally do the spiritual work of getting to know them anew. At each new stage, we know we have to practice getting curious about what they can and cannot do developmentally yet. And it's always a yet. At each stage, we practice softening into humility and compassion so we can learn alongside them who they are becoming. This is the spiritual work of dedication to our children. We commit to do this over the next 18 years or so, over a generation. And that is a really helpful reminder for those of us who aren't as small and cute anymore, who are trying to take these risks of dedication with each other making room for who we might become still, individually and communally. This kind of dedication and growth takes generational time, too. It's far less linear when we become adults. There is no OWL curriculum or any other curriculum to take us from the equivalent of preschool to launch in the world. And there are so many more confusing power dynamics. It's not nearly as obvious. Who is supposed to be raising whom? Who is supposed to be learning from whom? Oftentimes, we pigeonhole ourselves and each other into one role or another. Oftentimes, the dynamics of oppressive systems pigeonhole, into, pigeonhole us into one role or another. But the reality is far more complex. At each stage of adult growth and change, each of us must do the spiritual work to get to know ourselves and each other anew as reflections of love, capital L. At each new stage of institutional growth or change, we each have to practice getting curious about what we can and cannot do developmentally as a collective, yet it is always still a yet. At each stretching point of community transition, we have to practice softening into humility and compassion so we can learn alongside each other who we are becoming in the next generation 
of this church. Maybe it would help if we could look at each other and see the baby or child to whom a community once dedicated themselves, whether in this tradition or any of the others we all come from. Maybe next Child Dedication Sunday, we should all wear photos of ourselves as young children or put them in our email signatures. We could look at the faces of those photos next to the faces we encounter now. Would the spiritual work of softening, of curiosity, of humility and compassion just melt into gentleness and generosity and justice? Maybe just for a moment. This is the heart of the Christian tradition that I come from. We are all made to melt each other into gentleness and generosity and justice. This is the lure of the radical God who arrives in the world as a vulnerable baby to an outcast family. Seeing each other that way is the spiritual work, the spiritual joy of dedicating ourselves to our children and to each other. In joining your pastoral staff, I have decided that for me, belonging to each other in this community in progress is worth the risk to see what we might become together in time. And I hope you will take the same risk with me. May it be so. Amen. There is a poem. You may have heard it as a song. It is from Khalil Gibran, who is um, of another time, but of our time also. The son of a Christian minister of an Orthodox tradition who grew into Universalism himself. Your children are not your children. They are the children of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but they are not of you. You may house their bodies, but not their souls. For their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. So my blessing for you today, beloveds, is this. Together, may we be the children of life's longing. Together, may we care for each other's bodies and make room for each other's soul growing. Together, may we dedicate ourselves this day and every day to recognizing the glimpses of the church of tomorrow our children will make someday, one that we cannot visit, not even in our dreams.
If you're brave, keep the rhythm going. <laughs> Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. And your people, and your people. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First You Niv, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Peace, my friends. Amen.